Good morning. Can you hear that? Yes. Excellent. I thought I was going to have to shout like Jesus there for a while. No microphone. It's uh, so good to see you this morning. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the lead pastor here at 360, if we haven't had a chance to, uh, to meet yet. Um, these songs really set our heart in the right position this morning because the conversation that we're going to have this morning, and, I, and the reason I call it a conversation, this is just the beginning. If you're new to 360, we carry this conversation into our small groups. We call them connect groups. And so it's not just about listening and absorbing, but it's also about the ability to discuss. So based on the, the weekend uh, conversation starter here uh, and a message, we uh, allow our groups to really begin to discuss it and dig down even a little bit deeper. And so the conversation this morning is a tricky one. Uh, we, we started a series of uh, conversations a, a couple of weeks ago about taking inventory. Now, uh, as we enter into this new year, it's, it is a, the appropriate time, the natural time that we look at ourselves. We look at the shelves of our lives to see, hey, what, what do we have a surplus of? What do we have a deficit of? As we enter into a new year, it's just that natural time where we ask ourselves, uh, where, in what areas are, is God moving us? In which areas would He would like to, uh, to uh, grow us deeper? And so we started with time uh, back in the last Sunday of December to take inventory of our time and how we use it. Is it, is it uh, are we using it wisely, etc.? Last week we began to look at um, impossibilities. Are we willing to live in impossibilities or are we living our lives in manageable bite-sized pieces that will, will lack any sense of uh, leaning and depending on God? This morning we turn inward. And it's a, the, the trickiness of this conversation is that there is a fine line between true spirituality and religion. And in the, in the world scene, the two get very close together, and sometimes it's difficult to determine which is which. Even in Christianity, uh, there are moments where we cross into the line of religion, and we lack at that moment the authenticity of spirituality, the thing, the true form that God has called us to. So for you, when I'm saying that, some of you might, okay, I'm tracking those. may like, well, I'm not quite sure where we're going here. Uh, neither am I. I'm praying as I'm, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, in the spiritual life that Christ calls us to, there's an inside and an outside. There's the external behaviors that we, we exhibit, and there's this internal uh, life that we have with Christ. This is a distinguishing factor in Christianity, and we'll talk about that. The question I'm going to pose to you that is thought-provoking, I think, is this. Does behavior matter in Christianity? In other words, uh, there are many times where I've heard someone say, I know a person is living this type of lifestyle, but they, they really love God. Or they, they're, they're the kindest people I know, does it really matter? Paul said, hey, we are saved by grace. That means that God has done the work. And then he asked the question, should we sin that grace may abound? He said, of course not. But then on the flip side of that, is it all about behavior? In other words, if we check all the right things down the list, would Christ look at us and say, man, way to go. You obeyed all the rules, 
you you really uh, you know you you lived your life clean as a whistle. Because the problem with that version of Christianity is that it lacks the, the furnace of the interior that Christ calls us to, okay? So here we go. Jesus is, you know, walking around the marketplace, and he's, and he's surrounded by a variety of people. He's surrounded by people that are leaning in who really are, try, are, are trying to figure this thing out. And they're listening intently, and their hearts are good and probably confused at some moments. Then you got the, you got the peripheral, like, well, I'm still checking this out, not quite sure, kind of on the fence. And then clearly you have people that are anti-movement, uh, and, and they're, they're against it. It's no different than the political scene in, in the U.S. At, at any time, by the way. We think it's hot right now, but it was, you know, it was hot eight years ago. It's hot 28 years ago, whatever. You have in any movement the, the inside track, the on the fence, and like, hey, I'm against this whole thing before we even get going. The people that were against the thing were people that on the outside, they were religious leaders primarily, and on the outside, their behavior looked like it had checked all the right boxes. And then Jesus, as he would, pulls, huddles up with his inner core and says, hey, let me use this as an opportunity to not, not just point a finger, but to give you a, an inside track of what really matters. So we begin today, and, and we frame this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Let, let me remind you that the core of what we're talking about is taking inventory, okay? So let me frame this uh, uh, by, uh, by looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Here's what the Bible says, examine yourselves. Take inventory. There it is again. We're going to see this every week. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves, take inventory. Do you not realize he's writing to Christ followers in a city called Corinth? That's where we get the, the name of the book, Corinthians. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Now, when you read this, what your mind might automatically go to is to, when he says, are you in the faith, he, you may think that he's asking, are you a Christian or not? But when you look at the original intent of that phrase, what he's really saying is, are you holding to your faith? Or are you living the life of your faith? So he's saying, take inventory for those of you who have that are following Christ, who've exchanged your old life for Christ's new one, and examine yourself to see if you're in rhythm with the life that God has called us to. So let me talk a minute about what, what is commonly becoming known as the transactional gospel. The transactional gospel goes like this. You might recognize it. Let me tell you what Jesus did for you. Because he recognized that you were a sinner, he came to earth, he laid himself on a cross to absorb your sins. Um, if you pray this prayer, 
then and and say, you know, God, please forgive me. Then wham, bam, Uncle Sam, you go to heaven. And that's all there is to it. That is only a portion of the call to Christ. Because when we, when we examine the word faith, the original word is pistis. And that word means allegiance. Allegiance. It is no different than standing at the altar of marriage. When you are saying to your husband or wife, your bride or groom-to-be, I give myself to you, my heart, my soul. Just did a, we- a wedding last week. I give, I, with this ring, I thee wed. And I, you, you have my heart, you have my soul, in richer, poor, in sickness and in health. Uh, you know, when my socks are laying on the floor or when they're not. You know, <laughs> regardless, I'm giving my allegiance to you. When Christ calls us by the gospel, if you look at every single time, he's asking for a willingness to turn around, the word in the Bible is repent, to turn around and give up the life of independence. Not to come to him and make sure that we're squeaky clean because we all come to Christ broken. But come to Christ and turn around Instead of saying, it's all about me, I'm going to put some effort in, Christ's going to put some effort in, that I'm going to give that effort up. And I'm willing, I'm willing, God, for whatever you want in my life, you have my allegiance. Because here's the problem. If we go with the transactional gospel of just here's what you get, no life change, no allegiance, no willingness to change and turn around then when people are called with that gospel and then it's a a bait and switch and then we say, oh, by the way, now that you've made that transaction, God is asking for your all. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That wasn't part of the deal. Christ calls for our allegiance up front. This is what I love about Christ. He wasn't just trying to get a lot of church members in seats. Christ was trying to say, it makes a difference that I have your heart. Because if I don't have your heart and I just have your head, then six months from now, it's all going to be nothing. That You've just said, I agree with those points. I agree I should go to the gym every morning. Big deal. I haven't been. Can you tell? (laughs) (laughs) Going to the gym is not an intellectual thing. It is actually me making allegiance like, hey, I'm going to do it. I really am into this thing. And so when Christ calls us, listen carefully. He's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling our hearts. That's all it is. When you stand at the, at the marriage altar, it's a, it's a heart thing. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not like, okay, yes, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, sounds good. All right, good. Because the very first time you have rough waters, guess what's going to happen when you've only agreed intellectually? It's just going to fall apart and go south. So when, so when we're being called to examine our faith, are you in the faith? Is your heart in rhythm? And then this is the secret in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five. Let's go back to that screen so we we can actually visualize it. Examine yourselves to see whether you're holding to your faith. If you're living it out, test yourselves. Do you not realize? that Christ Jesus is in you. 
This is the secret and the key of our conversation today, that there is an inside and there's an outside life. Sometimes we just want to measure the outside behavior, but it is generated by the inside relationship, okay? So we're going to now go to Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus huddles up his disciples. And he says, hey guys, listen carefully. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you on the outside in sheep's clothing. They're obeying all the rules. But inwardly, they're ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. In other words, their outside attitudes and behaviors. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Of course not. Like every good tree bears good fruit, a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Here's what Jesus is saying. The original definition of fruit, the intent of the word, it's a natural product of a living thing. Let me repeat that. Fruit is a natural product of a living thing. So if there's a bad true, tr tree, then the natural product is going to be bad, bad fruit. If there's a diseased tree, it's going to produce a diseased fruit. And so when you look at this, this conversation, there are two layers. Have you ever watched one of those cooking shows where uh, it's a pretty high-end restaurant, and the food is prepared by a chef. The chef puts the plate on the, you know, the, the warming table, and then it's going to go out to the restaurant. But in a high-level restaurant, the, the, there's a person in between the, the patrons, the people who are going to have the food, and, and the chef. And that chef looks at the plate and says, oh, got to clean it up a little bit, got dribbles of this, make sure it's right. And then if it's not right, we send it back to the chef and say, hey, then hey, this is not ready for the patrons, right? But if it's like ready to go, perfect, then it's ready to go, hand it to the server, the server takes it. Are you following? Let's say, for example, you're eating in that restaurant and you get to plate of food and you're like, wow, this is not the quality at the level of which I'm paying. Who do you send it back to? You send it back. The first step would be to send it back to the guy that inspected it. So if you're the owner of the restaurant and this food keeps coming out and it's not prepared right, the guy who's supposed to look at the quality of the food, he's going to bear the first responsibility. So the owner comes to him and says, hey, you're supposed to check the food before it goes out in the kitchen. And the guy says, okay, I'll do a better job. But then he recognizes that he's got a cook that can't cook. Problem. Right? It doesn't matter what kind of quality control this guy has if the guy in the kitchen can't cook. But if the guy can really cook well, then it's the person, the, the checker-outer, that's, that's his issue, right? In other words, he's going to send it back to this expert chef. In other words, there's two layers to this that we're talking about. Let me jump in. If you weren't confused, you're probably totally confused right now. Watch this. Here's how the Bible lays this out. Behavior matters. Behavior matters because it's either reflective of, of Christ in us or not. But if it's totally left up to us, we're the first level. 
And if it's totally left up to us that you need to be more kind, you need to more, be more warm, you need to be more uh, uh, sacrificial, you need to be more committed, then what's going to happen in that moment is that we become awfully religious. Oh, I've got to do better. And then when we, when we can't do better on our own, then what happens is that guilt comes in, which is the feeder of religion. The feeder of religion is, see, you can't do it. You know you can't do it, and we, may, we start to feel crummy, and then we've got to pay something, or we've got to do something, and, and there's just this vicious cycle because the behavior rests on us. But if we have a chef in the, in the kitchen, if we have the power within, then it does not rest on us. It rests on like, hey, I'm not a cook. I'm going to go to the cook and say, hey, we, I, I'm dependent on you to make this mm, yummy. <laughs> and then the cook does his thing, and then it just comes through us. Our behavior matters, but it is not left up to us. We go into the inner kitchen, and we say, Christ, I'm committing my heart. I'm releasing myself again to you daily. And I'm taking myself, which has no capacity for good behavior in and of itself. In and of itself, you and I are broken and cannot in and of itself produce good behavior. I'm the guy in the middle. I don't know how to cook. I'm dependent on the guy in the inner kitchen to make it yummy. <laughs> and when our behavior becomes yummy, then it becomes attractive to others. Are you following? All right, watch this. Here's where we're going to land this morning. We're going to land in Galatians chapter 5, beginning of verse 16. This is a long passage, but we're going to have some bus stops along the way, okay? So I say, live by the Spirit. This is the key. Live by the Spirit. Let's go back to our frame. 2 Corinthians 13. Check to yourself to see if you're in the faith, holding to the faith, in the rhythm of the faith, okay? Same language, just different words, okay? See if you're living in the faith, in rhythm with God. Are you in rhythm with God? Are you live by the Spirit? And if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I want you to make real clear note that the, that the Bible is saying, stop it. Stop doing that. Stop doing that bad behavior because you're like, okay, I'll do it. Now I'm freaked out. Now I'm guilty. I can't stop doing it. Rather, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature naturally, the definition of fruit is the natural product of a living thing out of a bad tree, out of our sinful nature is going to come some crummy stuff. From the sinful nature, desire is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Every human being sitting in this, in the, in, in, in sound of my voice and the sound of the word of God today should say in their mind, yay! Okay, there's a few... <laughs> 
Maybe instead of amen, which kind of sounds churchy, it's biblical, but maybe we should go, yay. Maybe we'll just start shouting out yay when we went there. You can't do what you want to do. And you cannot not do what you do want to do or something along those lines. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the guilt and the shame and the pressure of the law. All right. <laughs> we may just send a new trend for all of Christianity right here from this corner. Watch this. The behavior, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. This is where I love the Bible. Let's not stop talking concepts. It's like, hey, let me, let's lay some things out. Is this all-inclusive? No. But just sampling. Sexual immorality. But they're such a cute couple. This is what I hear all the time. They make such a cute couple. They're so nice. Okay, but we're not setting the plumb line here. Impurity, debauchery, idolatry, which so easily can grab all of us, things that become more important than God. It's good things. You've heard me say it. Work can become an idol. Our kids can become an idol. Our schedules can become an idol. Our money can become our idol. Our home can become our idol. A lot of things can be uh, idolatry. We're not talking just about some you know, wood-carved statue in our home. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, you know, sowing things that, that tear people up and don't fit and make people upset, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgy, and the like. <laughs> you know, stuff like that, basically. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something. I've said to some of you before, when I became a Christian, it was a three-year process. I was in pursuit of God, and I was doing it on my own. Like any other book, I started with page one, table of contents. Okay, preface, gotcha. Preface, the Old Testament. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's where I start. Like anybody would start, you know. Um, everything's cool. Wow, God created it. That is awesome. Whoa, there's the fall. My, there's Noah. Wow, things are getting bad. He's flooding the earth. There's a, yeah, then there's uh, you know Tower of Babel and Call of Abram. That's pretty good. And then I'm getting over here. Everything's pretty you know narrative. It's kind of exciting. And Exodus, man, they're moving out and things are happening. People are griping. I could do like a like a 15 minute overview of the entire Bible. <laughs> and then uh, we're over here in Leviticus and don't do this and don't do. And then I started to read about some things that the behavior deserved to be taken out back of the camp and stoned. And I really thought in my heart, boy, I've blown it. I thought this is, I really had convinced myself 100%. It's too late. So if we stop on this sentence, I warn you. As I did before, that those who live like all these things, and I could go through that list. I'm like, yep, I've, I've done at least 50% of that. Selfish ambition, oh boy. Fits of rage, was on I-4 yesterday. 
drunkenness. I was on I-4 yesterday. <laughs> Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Wow. Religion <laughs> lowers the boom. And then we read the next sentence, which goes like this. But, man, I love the little words in the Bible. But the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of your behavior, not the production of your effort, but the surrender to the chef and the cook in the kitchen who can only produce what you can to the surrender of the Spirit, that when we tap in to that trunk of that tree and not ourselves is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, none of which my tree has. Yay. Against these things, there is no law and guilt and weight. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, this is the key, have crucified the sinful nation, nature with its passions and desires. God, I come to you again on January 13th, 2019, and say, God, I can't. I don't want to in my own self. I crucify that old tree to you. And I surrender to the power of the Spirit of God and ask that you live through me and now I'm free because I don't have to do it what I can't do anyway. You are catching on. This is so different than taking that index finger and putting it in people's face and saying you're wrong because I'm wrong and you're wrong and the Spirit of God makes our wrongs crucified so that He can live through us. Since then, <laughs> another marvelous word, since we then are in rhythm by the in the Spirit, by the Spirit, here's the deal. This is the key. If you missed anything in, in the whole morning, don't miss this. Let us keep in step with the Spirit of God. Let me remind you of our frame. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ is in you? Are you holding to your faith? Another way of asking that is, are you keeping step in the Spirit? Let us not become conceited, provoking each other, envying each other. So watch this. When we began this conversation, it would be take inventory of your behavior. But I'm going to back it up into the kitchen and say this is the true inventory. Take inventory of your step and your rhythm in the Spirit of God. And your behavior will come out of that. The decision is, it begins out here like, God, I'm wrestling with this thing and I don't want it. You got to go there first. You got to say, hey, this, because if you're in rhythm with the Spirit of God, listen, the things that are contrary to the Spirit of God will begin to surface. 
left to your own self, you may not know at times what's right or what's wrong. You may just say, well, I was just, I was just saying the facts when it's really gossip. I was just, I was just telling them, the, you know, the truth. And God would say, well, if you spend enough time with me and spend enough time in the Word of God, then you allow me to surface the difference between right and wrong. So when someone says, well, this behavior is okay but because they love God, I, I question that statement because are you walking in the Spirit of God to, to, to recognize, to allow God to highlight and spotlight the things that are clearly out of step with the Spirit of God? Does this make sense? So let's take an easy one that, that affects us all. Let's talk, let's talk about giving back to God. Some people are like, hey, I love God, but I'm just not going to give back to him. Like, okay, well, see, if you, if, you say, if you got with God and say, God, and just say this honest prayer, hey, God, I just want to let you know I love you, I praise you, I'm going to keep everything uh, of, my, of my own. I just, I, th- it's all mine. I worked really hard for it. And you just be honest with God and direct me in your word. I think, you'll, I think the spirit of God uh, coupled with the word of God will surface like, hey, man, you're going you're gonna to lose by keeping you're, you're, you're going to be, I'm, it's not like you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, but you're, gonna, you're not going to be yummy. <laughs> you're not going to experience the yumminess, the, the deliciousness, the depth, the beauty, the rhythm, whatever you want to put a Christianese word on to go for it. I, like, I kind of like yummy and deliciousness, you know. That, that thing, that factor that makes our faith alive. The love, the peace, the kindness, the warmth, the jazz that says, man, I love being a Christ follower. I love it. If being a Christ follower is a hassle, if giving is a hassle, if serving is a hassle, if forgiveness is a pain, then I would say don't just take inventory of those behaviors. Take inventory of how it's going with you and the chef. How's it going with you and the Spirit of God? Because that is the inventory piece. Does this make sense? You see how tricky it is? Because we could get focused on this outer behavior, but the real thing is back here with Christ. When my relationship is spotty with Christ, my behavior shows it. The natural product of my tree begins to surface more. Billy Graham said it clearly. When we become a Christian, there are many things that happen. One of them is this residency that that the Holy Spirit takes up in our hearts. We don't get a discounted version of that. And then as we grow, like, hey, I I started at 20%, and now now I'm a 35% residency with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God comes at 100%. And the really, the, the, the way that the Holy Spirit comes is when we crucify ourselves. And the more that we say, God, I'm surrendering myself, the more freely the Spirit can flow in our lives and through our lives. Make sense? All right. We're going to end then with John 15, the first five verses, because Jesus puts it in such a clear way. We're talking about fruit. The natural production of, of a living thing, right? 
And I want you to notice something that's really amazing. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is that he used real things like seeds and plants and water and all these things that people understood, and fruit was one of them. There's not a person in this room, I don't care if you're a, a, an, an ag person, an agricultural person, a gardener, whatever, uh, I kill everything I grow. I've now, uh, I've killed succulents. I have, uh, <laughs> I got about 20 succulents out back, about 10 are dead. So uh, just wanted to prove I could kill anything. So we're going to go with plastics out back. Uh. <laughs> so uh, everybody understands this. You plant a tree. You plant a seed, breaks ground, takes time. You know, it takes a while for the fruit to come in. And then as the fruit comes in, each year hopefully there's more fruit on the tree. And then when you see that fruit on the tree, it's kind of it's green or whatever. It's kind of the unripe version. And then the point is that there's nobody that comes to Christ and makes that exchange of life that suddenly they have it all together. I thought this was the case. I know it sounds stupid. I thought this was the case. I thought, man, I'm not going to have any bad desires. I'm not going to. I thought, boy, instantly I'm just going to be, you know, uh, Mother Teresa, male version, you know, <laughs> whatever. And then you think, man, there's still some residue here of the old tree. And then God progressively begins. And watch what Jesus said. We start with some fruit. It goes to more fruit. And then it goes to much fruit. Watch this. John 15, verse 1. Jesus said, <laughs> it is such a marvelous picture. This captures it all. I am the true vine. You're not. You do not have the capacity. I don't have the capacity to be the vine. My father, Jesus said, is the gardener. He's, he's the one that's nurturing it, watering it, picking out the, the weeds, letting it grow. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Like, man, this is not going anywhere. While every branch that does bear fruit, that's stage one, he prunes. He's like, okay, let's begin to cut back on other things if I'm willing to spend time with him. If I don't spend any time with him, no fruit. If I spend a little time with him, some fruit. If I spend more time with him, he says, hey, why don't we take that? Let's take that one out. This is not helpful. This is killing you. Let's take that out. And lovingly, the gardener begins to prune the branch, which is, is attached to the vine, the enabler, Christ, all right? So we start with fruit, and he prunes it so that we can be, would you say it with me? More fruitful. This is a progressive thing, that the more we spend time with God, the more we spend time with the gardener, then it produces more fruit. You're not doing it. He's doing it, right? You are already clean. You're saved because of the word I've spoken to you and your response to it. Now, here it is again. Keep in step with the Spirit. Christ Jesus in you, in, in you. Are you in the faith? Are you holding to your faith? Same thought, different language. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. The key to the entire conversation, it must 
remain. Not you must behave. It must remain. We must remain. Not we must behave. The vast difference between true spirituality and religion. Religion, you must behave. True spirituality in Christ, you must remain. Big difference. Yay. <laughs> All right. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus said, let me, let me, if you just missed it, I'm the vine, you the branches. Okay? You will never be the vine. Jesus is saying, I'll never be the branch. I'm the source. You're the branch. If a man remains in me and I in him, not only will you have fruit, not only will you have more fruit, he will bear much fruit. That is amazing. And then he says it this way, apart from me, forget about it. <laughs> you can do nothing. This is such a, a liberating message, isn't it? It's a message that drives us to Christ, not drives us to good behavior and guilt. The good behavior is only comes out of result of being with Christ. Let me pray with you. Thank you, Father. That the very essence, the very essence of who you are throughout the entire Bible, God, is that you do what we cannot. There is a definite line of human capacity. And when we reach that capacity, God, it's the very moment that you rescue us, that you empower us, that you live through us. So God, today, the question for us is not how is our behavior, but how is our rhythm? Because that behavior is going to be an outflow of our rhythm. So God, as we are still in the front part of this year, that's where we land today. Just to take a deep breath and to, to realize, God, that it's, it's good to examine ourselves. And so today, God, let us take inventory of this thing. How is our rhythm with you? How is our walk with you? How is our step in the Spirit of God? Is it spotty? Is it consistent? Is it uh, being replaced by other things and other people? Is it non-existent? How much time ha do we carve out, God, for you, the true gardener? How dependent are we, God, just a branch that when broken off will die? How dependent are we, God, as a branch on the vine, our true source of life and fruit. So God, I'm just, we got a little extra time, just a couple minutes for us to, just to take some inventory. 
how you uniquely move. And so just to, to ponder, to meditate, to hover, to take inventory of how our walk is with you and perhaps, God, to make a commitment that if that shelf is empty, to say, God, I commit now. I commit now to, to up my step in the Spirit. So we're just we're going to just relax for a couple of minutes and, and, uh, and just meditate and take some inventory. How, how has your step in the Spirit been? Father, it's marvelous how you can see the interior of every person on the planet. God, if we knew how full your capacity is, this wouldn't shock us at all. You're so much bigger, so more capable than our human minds can even understand. So thank you, God for hearing the wrestlings, the stirrings, the commitments, the whispers of our hearts to you in this moment. Thank you, God, as always, for doing what we cannot do. You ask us to come to you to empower, to be empowered, to live for you, but you also ask us to come to you to find a new life. There are some, perhaps, in this room today that have come and never experienced the life of Christ in them. Not speaking of religion, not speaking of intellectual agreement with Christianity. I'm speaking of coming in person to the person of Christ and saying, Christ, here is my life, broken, fractured, imperfect, and I come to you, God, to find new life. I come to you to find forgiveness. But I come, God, with a willingness to no longer depend on myself. I come with a willingness of allegiance to say, God, have my heart. I just don't want to be saved towards heaven. I want to live for you on this planet. And I receive that I receive, God, the gift. Would you receive my heart? Maybe that's you today. In that raw prayer, Christ, I need you. Christ, ignite new life in me. Christ, begin a new life in me. Is that you today? Is that you today?
you make that commitment, that exchange of life, and every angel in heaven is saying, yay. Every angel in heaven is celebrating because God loves you this much. He pursues you. Come to Christ today. Father, how grateful we are for you. You could have left us by ourselves. You haven't. You come to us daily. You're present daily. You're with us daily. And for that reason, Father, we end this time as we begin with praise, with worship, with thanksgiving of who you are. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.